Back in 2016, Jessica and I took a trip for a few days in March uh, to get away for a few days after I had completed my doctorate degree. We wanted to, to get away and just be away from the stress that we'd experienced during that season. And so we booked a trip that March to go to Chicago, Illinois, uh, one of our favorite cities. Uh, and we had expected it to be a quiet weekend, but little did we know that when we booked the trip, uh, it also ha- happened to be St. Patrick's Day weekend. I don't know if you know anything about Chicago uh, and St. Patrick's Day, uh, but to say the least, Chicago is not the most quiet of cities. It's quite noisy, adult, and green that weekend. Uh, And so one of the things that we did that weekend was we decided to go to the other side of the city where it was a bit more quiet to go to a book release event event for a favorite author of ours. And the purpose of this event was for him to share some big ideas from his book. And he told us early on in his talk that one of the things when he writes books is is he never really comes up with original ideas. He gleans wisdom from heroes of faith that he has read and spoken to and experienced, and he puts his voice onto those truths and those important things that have shaped him. Uh, And one of the things that he pointed us to in his book, one of the big ideas, one of the spiritual truths that had been passed on to him that he was passing on to us was this sentence that he shared with us, you will find what you're looking for. You will find what you're looking for. And he went on to say that this piece of truth that he had gleaned from some of his heroes of faith was one of the big ideas that he was trying to pass on to us, his readers. And the reason I still remember this one simple quote from nearly three years ago is because the longer that I have lived with it, the more that I have found it to be true. That people often find what they're looking for. So, for example, if you move through the world with, with eyes of hope, looking for things that bring you hope, you will most likely find things that bring you hope. But if you go through the world looking for things that you want to be cynical about, then you will very likely find things about which you can be cynical people most often find what they are looking for and the reason why the the author that day called this a spiritual truth is because it doesn't just point us to a reality about life but i believe it points us to a reality about our faith That, that part of what it means to be a person of faith is to pay attention to how we see and what we look for in the world And as men and women of faith, one of the things it means to be people of faith is to look for certain things in the world. And I think this quote is especially true for our passage this morning in John's Gospel. Because if there's one thing that John is trying to help us do, he's trying to help us to see better, to see more clearly, to see more faithfully, to tell us what to look for in light of the birth of of Jesus. That one of the things John is trying to do is help us to see the importance of the birth and entrance of Jesus as this act of creation. That's one of the things that he's trying to do with his gospel. Now, gospel is this big word that basically means good news. And when we talk about good news, we're talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. And the early Christians thought that the good news of Jesus Christ was so important 
that they included four different accounts of this good news. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you know anything about these Gospels, they're similar, but they're also a bit different. And John is especially different. And this point is proven in the way that these four different Gospels start their telling of the good news of Jesus Christ. Matthew starts with a genealogy, this long list of names. Mark starts with John the Baptist, just immediately puts us in a scene in the wilderness with John the Baptist. And then Luke starts with these two birth stories about John the Baptist and then Jesus. But then you get to John, and John starts his gospel with a poem. This evocative and layered and rich poem. And if you know anything about the Bible as a whole, you'll know that John is not the first person to start his book with a poem. That if we go all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, what we find there is a book starting with a poem. John starts his gospel the same way that the first book of the Bible starts. And to put an even finer point on it, John doesn't just start his gospel the same way that the book of Genesis starts. He starts his gospel with the same phrase that the book of Genesis starts with. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John is trying to give us some insight into how he sees the entrance of Jesus into the world, the importance of the entrance of Jesus. And for John, he sees the entrance of Jesus as this act of new creation by God, this act of God doing this new thing in the same way God did a new thing back in Genesis. The the importance of the entrance of Jesus for John is the equivalent of this act of new creation. But what's really significant about John's gospel is not just that he's trying to to tell us about why this event is important, the importance of the entrance of Jesus. He's also trying to give us insight into the implications of that entrance. Specifically, that with the entrance of Jesus into the world, the light has come and it is shining. Now, light is a really important word when we read the birth stories. And light is often, when we read the birth stories, thought of as this physical, tangible object. So we think of the birth story of Jesus, and and we think of the star shining in the sky, guiding the wise men to where Jesus is born. We think of those shepherds out in the field in the middle of the night, And that heavenly host of angels appearing bright in the night sky, glowing, singing songs to God. And often when we think about the the birth narratives, we think of light in those terms, in these physical, tangible realities. But the thing we have to remember is that John is just a bit different of a gospel. And so when John uses a word like light we have to remember that John has more in mind than just a physical, tangible reality. That for John, light is this much more 
textured and layered word. This is why later in John's gospel, when Jesus is describing himself and his ministry, he says, I am the light of the world. For John, light is this deeper kind of life. For for John, light is this more significant, substantial state of being, this, this deeper kind of life. That's why in this opening of John's gospel, he can talk about light and life so interchangeably. Because John can't help but think about light without thinking about life. And he can't help but think about life without talking about light. Light is this deeper, more significant, life-giving experience with Jesus. And the same holds true for a word like darkness with John. That when John uses this word for darkness, he's talking about a lot more than just the absence or extinguishing of physical, tangible light. That darkness has this deeper meaning that implies disconnection from the light and life of Jesus. So, for example, in two chapters from now, In John's Gospel, we're going to read about a guy named Nicodemus coming to Jesus by the darkness of night. And what John is doing there is he's talking a lot more about than it was just nighttime outside when Nicodemus shows up to see Jesus. He's also making commentary about Nicodemus' state of relationship with Jesus when he comes to see Jesus by night. And darkness also carries this this ominous tone for John. It's not just about being disconnected from the light and life of Jesus. It's also this idea of being opposed to the light and life of Jesus. So anything that's opposed to the life and life of Jesus would be darkness for John. Another way to say it is, if light is fundamentally an act of new creation by God, then darkness is fundamentally an act of uncreation of God's purposes. So anything that is in opposition to God's creative, hopeful, new possibility kind of power, that is darkness. It's much more for John than just some physical, tangible reality. And it's important for us to talk about darkness when we talk about light because John does not shy away from talking about both of these realities. That when we talk about light, we also have to be willing to talk about darkness because John is willing to talk about both of these realities. But the thing I want you to notice is is not just that John talks about both of these realities. But I want us to notice this morning how John talks about these two realities. In this opening nine verses of John's gospel, John uses the word for light six times. And he uses the word for darkness twice. He uses the word for light three more times than the word for darkness. And the one place where he uses this word darkness twice happens in verse five, where he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Another way to say it, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And the reason why I put up three different translations on the screen is so that you can get the fullness of what John is saying about light and what he's saying about darkness. Light for John is in the present tense. It is ongoing, it is continuous, it is active. The darkness for John is in the past tense. It did not overcome, has not overcome, and cannot extinguish the light. For John, the thing that he wants us to see is that the entrance of Jesus is this important event for the whole world. It's an act of new creation. But he also wants to see the implications of that entrance. And the implications for John is simply that the light has won, the light is winning, and the light will ultimately win. And that is this truth, that is this deep truth that is so important for us to see this morning. And I think it's an important truth, not just for us to see this morning, but I think it's an important truth for us to see in the world in which we live. Because I think that that in the world in which we live, it is getting harder and harder to embrace this truth of John. Because for a lot of us, I think we have the point of John backwards. A lot of us, deep in our hearts, think the darkness is winning. And for a lot of us, we therefore have our perspective backwards. It seems like as we move through the world, all we can see is darkness. Now, I'll be the first to admit that that darkness is this present reality in the world. And I would never want to gloss over that. And I know it's a present reality because I know how often we can feel overwhelmed by it. A few weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast between these two leaders, and one of the leaders uh, leads specifically young men and women. And he was talking about this changing world that this next generation is growing up in and some of the unique challenges that they face that other generations never faced before and they're learning to navigate things and he said once upon a time there was the reality that dark and awful and tragic events would happen in our world the event would end and then we would find out about it in a news story maybe the next day or maybe a few days later Uh, that there was a sense of distance between us and the event But he said this new reality that the next generation is growing up in is this reality where now we can be aware of awful, tragic, dark events as they are happening. We can get minute-to-minute updates on these terrible events that are taking place around our country and around our world. And this leader made the point that in a lot of ways that's a good thing, that we can be in tune with what is happening as it's happening. But he also said it can be really overwhelming because now it's not just that I can be aware of things that are happening that are awful and tragic and dark in real time, but now I can be aware of them in real time, all of the time, all over the world. And later I was reflecting on that and I was realizing that this isn't just an issue that the next generation is facing. This is something that we all face. 
that we now live in this world of advances and technology where if we want to, we can be aware of and tuned into darkness at all times. And so for a lot of us, we get overwhelmed by the darkness. We get over-focused on the darkness. And then we get obsessed about the darkness. And if you've ever been in that place, you know the deep anxiety and fear that can begin to bubble up when you begin to live in that place. And if you know anything about anxiety and fear, and if you've ever experienced those, you know what happens, that when we experience anxiety and fear, our vision narrows. And we can only see the things which make us fearful and anxious. We can only see those dark and awful and tragic things. And before we know it, we find what we're looking for. And that's why this is so important for us to pay attention to, this passage in John and what he's trying to say to us this morning. Because for disciples, we are to have a different perspective and a different purpose that John is trying to give us a different perspective and by that give us a different purpose in the world. The perspective that John wants us to see, the perspective that John wants us to have is that light has entered the world through Jesus. It is shining and it will continue to shine. And the darkness did not, has not, and cannot overcome it. This is this critical point that John wants us to see. And this is why John, the gospel writers, can so seamlessly begin to talk about John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist's role was fundamentally to point to the light. To, to see the light, to experience the light, and then to serve as a witness to testify to the light. And that's what witnesses do. They see and experience something, and then they point to what they have seen. John the Baptist is not the point. John the Baptist comes simply to point to the light that he has seen in Jesus. And the reason we need to pay attention to the purpose of John the Baptist, because whether we know it or not, the purpose of the church is still the same. Our purpose is to point to the light. Our purpose is to seek and find the light and point to it wherever we see it. The church is called to be witnesses. And here's what's critical about being a witness. You can't be a witness to something that you've never witnessed. You can't point to something that you have never seen or heard or experienced. And for a lot of us, we feel overwhelmed and overfocused and obsessed by the light. And because of that, we miss our purpose in life, which is, as disciples of Jesus, to point to the light. Every Christmas growing up, my family and I had a, a tradition. And the tradition was the Sunday night before Christmas, we would always go look at Christmas lights in our hometown. And it, the, the routine would be the same. The Sunday before Christmas Day, right after church had ended, we would get in the car, we would go get some hot food, we would get it to go, and then we would drive around town looking for Christmas lights. And it was so fun because then we were on Christmas break, and so we could stay out as long as we wanted to driving around town 
as late as we wanted to. And we would take twists and turns all over town looking for lights. And I still can remember those moments when we would crest a hill uh, or we would take a turn and then there in the distance we would see Christmas lights. We would see the, the bright glow of white lights. We would see some houses that had multicolor bulbs. We would see the cool glow of some of those blue lights. And then there was always what I call the nativity mashup, which was Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and then like Santa Claus and Mickey Mouse worshiping at his feet. Kind of brought a lot of different stories together. But even if they didn't get the story exactly as we knew it, we didn't critique it. Because that wasn't our purpose. Our purpose was to find the light and point to it. Now imagine how different of a childhood I would have had and how much therapy I would have needed if, instead of doing that, my parents every Christmas would load me and my sister to the car and would have said, all right, kids, we're going to go out there and find some darkness. And then they would turn on some sad songs on the radio. Maybe they would just let the static play. My mom would hand us cold sandwiches. And then we would just drive around town paying attention to and pointing out all the places where it was dark outside. And if anyone in the car had spoken up and said, oh, look, there's some light, the rest of the car would turn to them and scold them and say, stop it. That's not why we're out here. Look at all this darkness. And there would have been plenty of evidence for us to point to. There would have been plenty of things that we could have pointed to to show darkness. And imagine if we would have gotten so obsessed with the darkness that, that my dad just drove us to some developing neighborhood and we just pulled into a cul-de-sac and we just sat in the darkness eating our cold sandwiches, listening to static on the radio, looking at each other and saying, well, I guess this proves it. There's nothing but darkness out here. That would have been a very different, traumatic childhood experience. That would have been a really terrible purpose for our family. And for a lot of Christians, whether we realize it or not, we are choosing to live our lives in the same way. But instead, every year, what we would do is no matter how strong the glow, no matter if it was well-decorated or if there was a single strand of light, we would still do the same thing. We would point and we would say, there. There's light over there. Let's go over there. And every year there was this sense of adventure and purpose. And we had this community that we did it with. And the church today, the, the men and women of faith, us, disciples of Jesus, are called to the same purpose. We're called on an adventure with God where we navigate through the twists and turns of life, looking and seeking for the light. Not denying the fact that darkness is real, but knowing that darkness does not have the final word. But we navigate through life with the conviction that light is winning, 
has won and will win. Because we will find what we're looking for. I want us to stand and read these words together this morning as we close our sermon. This verse that I hope will stay with us this week. Let's read these verses together. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish.